Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back, everyone. It is February 1st, 2021. We are kicking off February with a bang. We have a few guests on the line today. Not just one, not just two, not three, but four guests today that are going to be a delight. First, we start with our fancy sponsor, Ag Tools. Now, we have David Wilson on the line who's going to talk about the revolutionary state of insight and data. Now, he came from IFCO Systems, where they were revolutionary returnable plastic containers versus the corrugated containers, and we're going to hear a very cool story on how David is now doing the same thing through data and insights for the produce industry. And then our featured guests, we have the group from London Fruit Company. That's right. We have Mr. Barry London himself. We have Amanda Horney and Jerry Garcia, everyone. That's right. We are going to have a jam-packed session today talking with multiple leaders within the produce and supply chain industry. And it is going to be a great one to kick off February. Let's also not forget to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Flavor Wave Fresh, Ag Tools, United Fresh, Terra Exports, and Indianapolis Fruit Company. All organizations making an impact and engaging in the produce and supply chain industry. Also, if you're a wholesaler and you want to check out a direct-to-consumer channel, please reach out to Flavor Wave Fresh, sweet and sour at flavorwavefresh.com to learn more about that service. All right, everyone, let's get this party started and get David Wilson on the line from Ag Tools today. Hey, David, welcome to the show today. Hi, Patrick. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here with you. Ah, fantastic, man. Now, I know you're coming uh, live from San Diego, California. That is my hometown, my friend. I was born and raised in a little town outside of San Diego, Vista. I was born in Orange, California. So Southern California is my hometown. So I am proud that you are coming to us live from San Diego. And I'm also, I I don't know if this is good or bad to say, but I'm also a San Diego Chargers and a San Diego Padres fan, dude. Oh, thank you very much, Patrick. I, I know San Diego is one of the best places uh, uh, to live. I really like San Diego as well. Uh, and I'm here in Chula Vista, uh, okay. south, south of, San, of the city of San Diego. Chula Vista. I've, uh, I've uh, lived in that area as well, as, as well as Oceanside and uh, a lot of other uh, small little towns around the San Diego area. Um, still a great place. I love it. Again, hometown, still talk about it. I went to, a, it's funny, I went to a small uh, school called Beaumont Elementary in Vista, California. I still even remember my old address. And it's so back in the days, you know, David, it was uh, when I remember, right? You know, my house was, was huge to a, you know, a four-year-old, five-year-old back then. We had a couple of avocado trees, a apple tree and a lemon tree and avocado. And, and I'm not even sure if you can get that on a piece of property in, uh, in San Diego anymore. But again, love having you on board today. Um, now, I know that Ag Tools is one of our fancy sponsors here at the Produce Industry Podcast. So we appreciate that sponsorship. We appreciate everything that Ag Tools is doing, bringing data and insights to the forefront of the produce and supply chain industry. And what I thought was very cool about your background, David, and I won't tell steal your thunder uh, too much, 
but you know, you talked about this revolutionary change. Um, one, you started a change, I would say years ago uh, from the RPC versus the corrugated container, uh, I would say industry. Um, but that same revolutionary change, I believe, is happening with data and insights. So, David, uh, like I said, uh, for all of you who don't know David, uh, you're going to learn a little bit about David here and what he's doing at AgTools. So, David, talk to us a little bit about yourself and, and what you're doing in this revolutionary change in the produce industry. Yeah, exactly right, Patrick. Um, I've been in, with the industry for more than, more than 25 years now. And, and really, this is my second phase of a revolutionary change within my career as you as you precisely touched uh you know to change the industry from corrugate to returnable plastic containers was was a big task uh back then uh retailers growers nobody wanted to change but uh we, we continued to fight on and uh, many of the retailers started to get the sense that the sustainability was part of it and that they could uh, reuse the, the returnable plastic containers uh, many times, and uh, that would be good for the environment. And while that was happening, Patrick, you know, uh, all the all the um, the guys that were using the returnable plastic containers in the distribution centers before they they send them to the stores, everybody started using them and started liking them, and they started. To, to build better pallets uh, than all the different size corrugate packs. You, you can imagine a wobbly gobbly pallet that gets into the stores and, and uh, you know, the strawberries are crushed in the, in the bottom, et cetera, et cetera. But what the RPCs provided was, uh, it, if you think about Legos, it's just a perfect size pallet that is uh, built from this foundation to the top without any any uh, crushed uh, you know strawberries or, and all that. So I mean, and all the retailers started to to like that and the stores started to love it. Uh, they would return these plastic containers, we would wash them and and reissue with them again. So it was hard. I, I can admit that we started from the east from the west to east with several retailers. Then, you know, one year, one, another year, and everybody started using the RPCs because the retailers wanted to. And that's how I compare this, that phase I had about seven years ago with the RPCs. With being with Actools now, I'm a VP of sales for, for the shippers. We have a VP of sales also for retailers who work very close together, but as, as you mentioned very well, uh, you know, information is coming to the front. The time has come with the, with the industry is moving faster and we're looking at, at new products, technologies to be able to compete and survive. And, you know, many of the, of the industry, of the growers and the retailers in the produce industry are looking at new and, and faster technologies all the time. Uh, Actools was created with a sense of information urgency uh, we'll be able to compete and stay relevant in the produce industry. And our founders, Martha Montoya, uh, developed this platform where all the variables we encounter throughout the supply chain, no matter what, from far to, cons from far to consumer or are, are visible in one place, making 
all of our lives easier day by day. So it's fresh 24 seven market technology information that is available to all the growers and all the retailers, buyers and uh, sellers. And, you know, like you mentioned, uh, there's new people coming to the industry that have to be trained. Uh, and we, we feel that we have a mission to reduce waste by giving more information to all the parties involved, not only in the retail side, but in the grower side, which is my, my speciality here, I would say, Patrick. Yeah, and you know, in Ag Tools pulls from gosh over fifty different platforms to get all their data and insights. And one thing you can really account for is that if you have to report back to growers or you're looking to report, I mean, this is a way better way than you know building your own Excel spreadsheets like we did five years ago. Heck, I know some people still building Excel spreadsheets off of their numbers. They're transferring their numbers over, you know, from a famous software. Um, they're building charts. They're building graphs. And then they're going and finding the USDA data, right? I mean, David, this is what, you know, can you tell I'm talking from personal experience, right? I mean, these are things that, that even I've done. So if you look at the Ag Tool system, it really, you know, puts all of this information together in one, gives you information on the ports, gives you weather information, it gives you news updates. I mean, it gives you pricing points, it gives you volume points. Uh, really, it'll help analyze not only your business, but the markets as well. So again, when you go in to talk to somebody, you can compare notes, not only with your own organization, um, but against the rest of the industry um, and against the rest of the data that's coming in. And, you know, it does take a lot of time, right? It takes time. It takes the supply chain to get involved. You know, it takes people accepting this new, you know, technology and eventually, like I said, like, and you've talked about it is like the circle will be closed because um, everybody and all the players will be, will be on board with this. And I think data and insights is new. And what I mean by new is that we're so used to just seeing a Facebook like, right, David, it's like, you can, you can almost like say it in that notion that if someone didn't like it, it didn't happen. If there's no picture, it didn't happen. Well, all these impressions, all this data, all these insights are making a difference in how we monitor and how we conduct business. And it's giving us an extra tool uh, in the farming tool belt, especially from a farming company. You know, Martha started in Citrus. So you've got someone that's in the ag industry that's helping develop programs for the ag industry, right? That means there's passion behind that. And that means there's leadership behind that. So uh, David, it's been great to hear from you. It's been great to have you on the show today. Now, if any of the listeners want to reach out to you, if they want to do that direct, is there a way that the listeners can get a hold of you? Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted to just to touch. You're perfectly right what you're saying. Uh, throughout the process, we found out that we had approximately 76 variables that occur throughout the supply chain. And you're right. You know, through volume, FOB terminal, retail, pricing, weather, news, and much more. We have over 530 commodities in the platform. But yeah, you would have, you would, you can reach to me at David at ag.tools. That's my email. And my, uh, my number is 619-513-4124. Anything you need. Uh, in, in terms of this platform, I, I'll be glad to help you all. 537 different commodities listed on the site. If you haven't checked out Ag Tools, get in touch with David, get in touch with Matt DeBoer, 
get some demos all set up and realize and understand how data and insights is revolutionary to your business. David, thank you so much for coming on the show today and I look forward to chatting with you soon. It's a pleasure to hear from Ag Tools, our fancy sponsor. Also, it's great to hear about the revolutionary changes that people are impacting in the produce and supply chain industry. So we'll take a quick break, hear from a couple sponsors, and dive deep into London Fruit Company. This year's marketing forecast is calling for a storm. Whether your end customer is the produce consumer or another produce industry business, United Fresh's Brandstorm Conference should be on your radar. The industry's signature marketing event, Brandstorm, will be virtual this year, starting March 9th. The forecast is calling for a digital deluge as marketers come together under one umbrella to address the most pressing marketing challenges of 2021. Lightning strikes inspiration from around the globe. Learn new marketing trends and tools and explore strategies to improve your current marketing efforts. Grab your galoshes and get ready to puddle jump through three days of education, discussion, and networking during the sixth annual Brandstorm. Keep an eye on the storm. Visit unitedfresh.org to register. Welcome to Terra Exports, a fast-paced, entrepreneurial, and innovative, multinational fresh produce company with eight divisions worldwide that handle fruits and vegetables across 65 countries. Did you know that Terra Exports was featured three times in Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies? Terra Exports starts at the ground, literally, with the growth of the product at the farm all the way through distribution channels up into the end user. They take pride in their products, arriving fresh and damage-free, and they're there every step of the way, working alongside suppliers and customers who share in their common goal. Visit Terra Exports at www.terraexports.com, as well as following them on social media on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get on their website, you can also check their availability calendars and all of the produce that they have in store. When you join Terra Exports, you become a member of their global team of thinkers, innovators, dreamers, and doers who are bringing a fresh approach to the produce and supply chain industry. So reach out to Terra Exports today at terraexports.com. It's always great to hear from some of our sponsors. Terry Exports was actually the sponsor for the last virtual networking session last week on January 27, 2021. Look for more of those upcoming virtual networking sessions to one, gain more knowledge and meet new people in the produce and supply chain industry. Now let's get our featured guests on the line, London Fruit Company. Hey Amanda, Jerry, and Barry, welcome to the show today. Well, thank you, nice to be here. Hi Patrick. Nice to be here. Hey, Patrick. Fantastic to have all three of you on the line. When we talked about setting up this podcast, originally, it was just Amanda and I. We were trying to figure out, and heck, I remember, Amanda, we actually had this scheduled for about a week ago. And then what happened, you were like, wait a minute, my kid's home. Has your kid home? We had other things going on. We had the family life happen. And then we were like, wait a minute. Yes. Let's let's uh, let's work this out a little bit differently. Let's push it another week. And then you were like, I think I can get Jerry... Uh, Garcia and Barry London on the line to really complete this, uh, I would say this conversation. I hate to just call it an interview because I feel if it's more of a conversation. I'm excited. Amanda and I have met through a lot of the virtual networking events over 2020 and just really started communicating 
uh, I would say first on LinkedIn. It was really back and forth on LinkedIn. Then I called you and asked you for some lime quotes. I kind of remember some avocado quotes. And then it was like, hey, you know, <laughs> what do you do? What do you, you know, what do you sell? And that's how the conversation started. And then we brought this into, hey, let's talk about a podcast because I had no idea about London Fruits extensive history in the produce industry. Um, I mean, really what you do. So I, I thought like a normal broker, I myself broker products. I'm like, Oh, they're a normal broker. You know how long they've been around. And all of a sudden it was like 40 years. And I was like, wait, what, wait, I'm sorry. You've been around for how long? 40 years. And you know, Barry, you and I were talking off the mic uh, before we got on talking about the history of London fruit. And, you know, I hear this, you know, common statement a lot, Barry, it's, Man, if I was looking back, you know, 40 years ago, I never would imagine, you know, sitting here talking about this. Uh, so, Barry, I got to jump in right away and just we got to, you know, really talk about some of the history of London Fruit and how you procured this team of individuals and leaders uh, to create this legacy that you were leaving in the produce industry. Well, thank you very much. And nice to be here, Patrick. Our company started 40 years ago when my crazy father was on vacation in Puerto Vallarta and fell in love with it and decided that he was going to try and retire and live in Puerto Vallarta. And as his hobby, he decided to work with some growers in the area and they planted some mango trees. So 45 years ago, we planted our first mango grove north of Puerto Vallarta. And five years later, six years after that, we had fruit to sell. And I wound up getting involved with my dad in the marketing side of the fruit that he grew down in the Port of Ayrton area. Interesting enough, it was a variety of mangoes called Keats, which were a late season crop. And it, at that time, the mango season was very short, probably three or four months out of Mexico. So 40 years ago, the way the industry worked and, and how things grew were, were very exciting. Along the way, over those first beginning years, just as all packers learn, uh, we make mistakes. Uh, I remember my dad telling me uh, he got on a plane to pick up some money in the United States on his way home, the peso of the value, uh, the money he had in his check just became twice as much money and that allowed him to continue in business. So it all started from Puerto Vallarta. It all started from us uh, helping growers develop their land because the land was divided into very small areas. and the people that we were able to join us over the years and bring us to the point that we are at now. My dad passed away about 25 years ago. But along the way, I was very fortunate. I met a, a young Mexican lady here in the Valley who became ultimately vice president of the company. And um, I, I got to enjoy having a woman beside me uh, as I developed my business interests in Mexico. And of course, got a wonderful chance to visit all the wonderful tourist areas up and down the west coast of Mexico. I remember when Puerto Vallarta <clears throat> had four hotels. So that, that's how far back that was. But if you think about the mango industry, it takes you to Mazatlan, it takes you to Puerto Vallarta, it takes you to Manzanillo, it takes you to Acapulco. So <clears throat> the west coast of Mexico is very beautiful. And I think if you get involved in the industry, you start to fall in love with the land down there. So I found in Mexico that, you know, the land was very beautiful and interestingly enough, the people are very warm, which is what I discovered living here at the border. So along the way, we exported mangoes. And then somewhere along the way, I was fortunate enough to have enough people join the company 
Uh, I have uh, two women that work at, here at London Fruit, uh, two ladies that have been with me for one for 35 years and one for 25 years. So I'm not sure I would be here if it wasn't for the energy that I get from these people. Uh, Jerry, who's vice president of the company, uh, <clears throat> has been with the company now 30 years. So <clears throat> what I was fortunate enough was to have people that have stayed with me. So uh, hunting for new new staff is, is always a challenge, but I've been fortunate enough not that I don't turn over the staff very much. Well, and that's the goal, right? Uh, relationships. I mean, Jerry, um, again, I look at some of these relationships, right? If if you stick not and not stick by as in a, I would say a follower, but when you stick by and you see a mission and a vision in a company, in an organization and a person, you're now stepping up to be a leader for them, right? So you're now progressing them and then they're progressing you, making you very loyal to the cause, right? So then that's, that's kind of what I see. Even in this produce industry, we have so many people and, and remember, I'll, I'll, I'm going to throw it out there that jump ship all the time, right? Barry, Jerry, Amanda, we see it. We see people will work somewhere for three to five years at a sales job. They see the money, they run to the next job. And how many times if you've seen these LinkedIn profiles, you know, when you see someone three years, three years, three years, three years, three years, and you're sitting here scratching your head and it's like, they're this awesome sales manager and you're going, huh, interesting. I think this is very key to, to really, really look at is that relationships. If you build a relationship early on, you'll have loyalists. That includes your customers, your vendors, your employees. And that's kind of what I'm hearing out of you, Barry. I mean, a lot of good relationships were established over the, over the last 45 years. And those relationships are still hanging on. And I say hanging on, but really building to this day. Very true, Patrick. However, what you discover is that when uh, the people that had joined your company leave after three, four or five years, when I was very young, it used to bother me. As I got older, I realized that's really what this was all about. So if I've taken somebody for three years from working in a plant to working in a sales department and some other company find, finds that person, it's just going to happen in, in a natural way. So maybe the best thing that we do is teach people how to be independent. And, and I got to enjoy that because I, when I started the company and had a woman beside me, uh, that was quite unique 40 years ago, especially when one, that one worked in Mexico, where the image was not to have a lady as the, as the number two person in the company. So I, I think it added to the, to the, to the zest of what we, what we tried to do. Well, I think probably looking back 45 years ago, um, if, again, let's go to that statement. If you were saying you were putting your number two in charge as a woman 45 years ago too. People probably would have looked at you a little bit differently. They've probably been like, what do you mean? What are you doing? You saw a vision, like I said. And I bring that up because women leaders in our industry, Amanda and I have talked about this many times as well. Uh, women leaders are on the rise in our industry. Uh, we see it in other countries. We're seeing it here more and more, especially in produce and supply chain. So like I said, the, that hindsight, right? You're looking back and it's like, I didn't know I'd be talking about this, but now it's like, it's, it's a success factor in your business and it's a great case study. So um, as we keep talking, we're going to talk about too, about how London Fruit is, I would say, 
growing through 20, I would say 2021 and beyond. Um, there's a lot of expansion plans that uh, you guys have shared with me, Amanda shared with me. And I want to talk about that. I mean, I know Amanda, I'll, I'll tee this up to, to you because uh, we spoke about it at the end of the year podcast. Um, but, you know, you had some expansion of your cold rooms happening and then some upcoming mango programs that are going on. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, the upcoming and, and what we're going to see here by Q1. So Patrick, we just added about 5,000 square feet of a new cold room storage. Um, that'll be wrapping up pretty soon. Dad, am I right on that? We should be done with all remodeling by February the 15th. So February 15th, we are going to have updated cold rooms at London Fruit. That's an expansion. So Jerry, uh, give me an idea. So when you say expansion of 5,000, what did what was it before? What percentage increase of that? So how much more volume are you going to be able to hold and or store? What does that accumulate to? Our storage capacity grew about 20 loads. And our repacking area, it's just, uh, we moved it closer to our, our office. So we were able to visit it every minute, but to check quality and stuff like that. And right. And that's in the South Texas Valley still, correct? I'm yeah. right on that. Rio Grande Valley. Rio Grande Valley. I, I will make sure I remember. I just don't, I don't always get those confused between the South Texas Valley and the Rio Grande. I swear if you say McAllen compared to another, they're like, nope, wrong other side. So um, that that's fantastic. And I know there's a lot of, I would say competition down there. There's a lot of warehouses, a lot of storage. You got a lot of fruit crossing in from Mexico, um, now I do know this and maybe I could be wrong, but when you talk about limes, okay. And everybody, when I say everybody, I'm going to go to consumers. Do you realize, and I think you do that consumers think that limes are grown in the U S like everybody just thinks that all fruits and vegetables are grown in the United States. And I tell people uh, all the time, I'm like, you know, a lot of our limes are brought in from Mexico and that's where we get a lot of our limes from. They're packed, they're either hand packed, you know, or they're they're uh, they're on the carousel bag, you know. But think about this as limes. When limes come across, and you look at how the consumption of limes are, what would you say the 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 factor of getting limes out into the uh, retailer wholesale world is? Because when I look at citrus. You know, we sell navel oranges, we sell these tangerines. Sometimes I feel that they move by themselves. I, you know, you know what I mean? You know, your staple items. And then I look at limes because yeah. I've sold limes for, Amanda, we've had this conversation. I used to you know, work with C.H. Robinson. They had a big lime program and I've had this conversation, but it seems like limes is a very volatile market. It, it could change so quick, so fast. And I've seen limes, you know, be up to, you know, $50 a box, you know, back in the days. And I've seen limes as low as, you know, eight to $9 a box. Um, I, I got to tee that up a little bit because, you know, the consumer himself, herself thinks like, oh no, this is, you know, it's grown in the U.S. It's like an orange. It's like this, but I feel that it's a lot different. It's almost a different variety than just a normal citrus item. <laughs> yeah. Uh, limes are, um, I would say they are the, uh, stepchild of the the sisters category um a majority of them are grown in mexico we're seeing other areas develop a ma vast majority of it is grown out of mexico uh, they are different from uh oranges and lemons um they break down a lot faster um but uh they're vital to to the citrus category i think um this year has been difficult with covid um, you know, the restaurant industry and bars not being open and, and, and using that. 
I was going to say the consumption level has has changed and the way the distribution of, of lines has changed. But we need we need to remember nine. I would say ninety nine percent of the lines consumed in the United States come from Mexico. Uh, there are very few line areas in the United States anymore, um, and we don't seem to have a lot of competition from other countries as far as line production goes. So. Mexico is the leader in the lime industry, will continue to be the leader. Uh, the rise and fall in prices has a lot to do with the weather in Mexico. We, you know, we need to remember that. Although, uh, as Mexico continues, they've got more areas and more states that are growing, uh, growing lines for distribution in the United States. And it's interesting, you know, little, not only do uh, Persian lines have a marketplace here, which are the seedless variety, but we also sell uh, key limes, which are the old, the older variety of limes that have seeds in them, and we see an ongoing market for for that variety as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. The shelf life of limes has uh, been one of our challenges, and as we moved into this uh, new association that we developed with the Hazel Technology people, uh, we're seeing a, a positive result from our customers that what they're receiving is a uh, nicer uh, color green line than, than what was uh, previously available. So we're very pleased with the Hazel program and the implementation of that in our, in our, new, in our new packaging. Yeah, we've seen some of the uh, Hazel technology. I interviewed with uh, Hazel technology and Mission Avocado uh, during the PMA, and they talked a little bit about that. Uh, this is actually a perfect time, though, to take a break and hear from some of our sponsors uh, who are located in Mexico as well, talk about data and insights, and really that are supporting the produce industry. So let's hear from them, and we are going to come right back and talk about the Hazel Lime program the little bit about the upcoming mango season and then a celebration that you're going to have to stay tuned to find out about. What's up everybody. Item three this week, we're talking organic romaine. It's easy to forget about bulk leafy items with all the growth in the salad category with kits and chopped kits and blends and premium blends. But our friends at lady moon are coming correct with organic romaine. This beautiful head provides a great crunch to any salad item, a fantastic base for a Caesar salad. Stacked vertically creates an eye-popping display in your wet set. Organic bulk romaine is a must-have this weekend. It's football playoff time. Make sure you stiff arm the competition. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everyone. All right, let's get London Fruit back on the line and chat about all the fun things that they are doing in the produce and supply chain industry. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the show. Great to be back, Patrick. Before we went on break, we were talking about the Hazel Lime program. Amanda, you said something very key a few minutes ago, which was limes tend to break down a little bit quicker than other products. So the Hazel Technology Program, which I have done my research on, and like I told you, I, I interviewed them with Mission Avocado about their technology and about shelf life extension. So as I am a consumer, just like all three of you are, you know, how does that affect me long-term? How does it affect me going to the store and picking out a lime? Because I will tell you, and uh, every time I go into a store, 
I always find a line here or there that it's a snowball. There's a snowball every, every now and again. So talk to me a little bit about how this technology is going to help me as a consumer or within the supply chain. So I, um, I had the fortunate experience of working for one of the largest um, wholesalers in the Midwest, United Fruit and Produce for a short amount of time. While I was there, it, you know, I saw firsthand how our our wholesalers across the country, they have a very limited amount of time to move their fruit. I wanted to help with that. I mean, I saw that as an opportunity for this product, Hazel, which uh, helps to extend the shelf life. Basically what it does, it's going to help in the long run where it uh, the fruit's going to get there and it's going to look like it does when it's at my warehouse in, in Texas. You know, you're going to see the difference on the road. So the consumer is going to get a fresher piece of product, a fresher product, a fresher lime. The lime, by the time we get to the retail store, it looks just as it got here from Mexico to us, two days old. It keeps it fresher, longer, fresher looking. That's the goal. On the road, it's going to, it's, you're going to get a fresher piece of product when it gets to your warehouse, you know, three, four, five days later. Um, it's going to be greener. It's going to look fresher. We've taken professional photos of the product, you know, and the changes over time. The pictures don't really show what we're what the what the product does for it. Uh, you really have to see it in person to know that it works. Um, we've sent samples to you know retailers, and they were quite impressed with uh, the results. Um, it's definitely a cost-effective uh, value-added service compared to like a peel, the peel wax, um, which is you know a little bit more expensive. This is a little bit more cost-effective for those people who. Uh, you know, need more time, not that added cost in. You know, I was going to bring that up, that appeal. I mean, I'm not going to talk to you guys about it, but that was another one that I've seen of that, you know, spray or wax that's put on. And I have, I've seen the cost in that. And some people are like, Hey, you know, that's kind of out of the, um, out of the ballpark. Cause as a grower, packer, shipper, um, you know, this, we all know this is we kind of in, in, uh, incur that cost. So if not, as I tell everybody, right. you would have a $12.99 bottle of orange juice in the store if, if we kept passing those costs along. Jerry, you said it. We're going with the FPP, the fresh pro, pre, fresh piece of product, right? That's what we're going to keep it with, the fresher piece of product, the FPP. We should coin that, uh, uh, Amanda, as well, the FPP, fresher piece of product. And that's what you know, Hazel, uh, Hazel Technologies will do. It'll give you an FPP, everyone. Um, you know, it's a great thing though. I mean, cause like you said, I mean, I know, um, citrus breaks down. I know a lot of times citrus, you know, is picked, uh, if you don't know, citrus is picked, packed, um, sometimes stored for a few days before it's actually in that wholesale or retail store. Um, I tell a lot of people this, um, just cause you see a lime in the store or lemon in the store, it doesn't mean it was picked yesterday. Sometimes it could, right. It may be right. But it normally there's a process to the supply chain before it gets here. And it looks like throughout this process, Hazel technologies, London fruit and other companies are making sure you get the freshest piece of product, the FPP. So, um, and speaking of product, what about the mango season? Now I had a bad experience with mangoes last year and I'm hoping there's going to be a little redemption this year. I had one of those yellow fleshed mangoes and everybody tells me buy it soft, you know, buy it where the, there's aroma on it. I bought this yellow fleshed mango. My son and I cut it up and we had a horrible experience and we have not been back to talking about, you know, having another piece of mango. So let's talk mangoes real quick. Um, what's the upcoming mango season look like? And uh, I would say, I'll throw this out, Barry. What, what do you have up your sleeve or Jerry? What do you got up your sleeve in the mango season? The mango season out of Mexico opened about two weeks ago. 
the first loads started to arrive from, from Mexico. All, all the fruit that's coming in so far are the uh, honey variety, which is the yellow mango that you were mentioning, Patrick. Uh, Sorry. The, the, the Ataufo or honey mango, which is the variety that's now coming in out of Mexico, and the one that you had that, that experience with. Was the mango black inside or? You called it. The mango was black inside. My son was yeah. scared to take a, a bite of it. I had to cut all around it. Yeah, that, um, that's just the mango has already matured inside. And, and it's quite possible there was chill damage to the fruit in the uh, time it took for it to get to, to the U.S. marketplace. I'm assuming that fruit uh, came out of probably another South American country rather than Mexico. But I was don't know. It was, let me give you the date. I believe it was, it was September because I traveled to Sarasota's uh, Fresh Farmer's Market for my wife's birthday in September and we picked up a bunch of fruit uh, there. So it was around the September period. Yeah, it was, it was probably from the northern part of Mexico out of Los Mochis or possibly the first fruit coming in out of Brazil. So mm. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say that see that you had a bad experience I, I think there's a wonderful education going on in our industry of mangoes about when to consume them and how to consume them and unfortunately we all have to accept that occasionally when you bring home a, a, a fruit from the supermarket you're going to cut it and not enjoy it um so mango that enters into that field just like every other fruit i, I wish i could find only great peaches but i can't you yeah, know it's or like, great how dare peaches, you it's like, come well, on, I want to, I need that experience when I'm in the grocery store. How dare you tell me that I'm going to go pick a piece of fruit that's not going to be good? Do you, do you realize, Barry, that I'm in the produce industry as well? I need a good experience every single time. I can't, there's no fans or butts. And we, the packers and shippers of those products, wish that we could do that job. With fruit. Unfortunately, as it ages, it changes. <laughs> and it's made the fruit that we can't control. So it's, it's, so it's more you picked you picked the broad, you picked the alpha Is it, is it correct if you pick a mango too early it's, it's going to be like the same it's going to be a bad experience on the beginning and if it's overripe it's going to be a bad experience like there's a perfect time to pick a mango i heard is that is that kind of correct jerry yes sir, yes, sir it is yes sir it is that's okay, why i started that time field 30 years ago so i uh, i gotta i gotta get with you guys and and, and go to get to a mango grove you know in south america or, or mexico because i can't figure out how to pick a good mango i feel like when i go to an orange grove like if i'm in california i can walk out anywhere in California and I could pick an orange off the tree, Jerry, and I can eat it and be like, Oh my gosh, it's so good. I could throw it, grab another one. And it's like, it's such a different experience when you go in, into the store um, because it's like, wh where did it break down in the supply chain? When I say break down, uh, where did it transition hands? How many people did it take to get there? 
And uh, Amanda know this, knows this about uh, my organization is we've got a company called Flavor Wave, which is a direct-to-consumer application um, that delivers produce from wholesalers and farmers and things like that. And it's crazy because one of our main pitches is we're taking three to five touches off the supply chain. So, you know, you might order from Instacart, but they're going to touch it. Then the, uh, the retailer is touching it from a wholesaler or a food service distribution. That food service distribution could have got it from a broker who got it from another broker. So it could go from the grower to the packer, to the shipper, to a broker one, broker two, distribution warehouse, wholesaler, and then a consolidation warehouse before it even hits the grocery store. And you, you said it, right? Jerry, you talked about the cooling temperatures, right? You talked about where it needs to be. All that plays a factor in our fruit once it's picked. If you freeze it, if you don't put too much cool on it, you put you know, an orange under 38 degrees, you're going to start getting internal freeze damage. You know, The same things with mangoes, uh, limes, and, and other products as well. So uh, listen, I am going to put my heart and soul into this, everyone. I'm going to try mangoes again, okay? I am not counting mangoes out. I might need London fruit to sell this batch of, of, uh, of ripe mangoes. That way I know that it's going to be a good eating experience. We, we got to get a good box. Yeah, we'll ship you a box. My son believes that mangoes are bad because of that one experience. We, oh, yeah, we, don't, we don't want that. Yeah. We need, we need to re-educate people. We need to change his mind. I think that's what we do. Um, before we, before we, uh, we uh, get off today, we, we've got a kind of a, a celebration announcement too. And London Fruit, you talked about 45 years ago when you first met some of the people to procure this business. But we are celebrating, and Barry, take it over when you're ready. What are we celebrating this year with London Fruit Company? We're celebrating our ability to continue to stay in business through the crisis that our country is going through. You had, again, as we look at the past year and what has gone down, to, to see that we are still in business, to see that we're still trying to find better uh, distribution systems. Patrick, you're 100% right. The, the more unique the distribution network, the better the product's going to be for the consumer. That's a hard thing to do without the, 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 the marketing cooperation that needs to happen between the field and the retail store is a major uh, challenge in our industry. So the faster we can get mature fruit out of the field and into the consumer's hands, the happier we're going to all be especially the consumer. So uh, I think that's our challenge. The reason that London Fruit has gone ahead with this expansion program during 2020 uh, was that we still offer a unique service to our customers. London Fruit is a repacking facility for all product that comes in out of Mexico. What does that mean? That means that every box that we get out of Mexico, we are going to open, look at, change or extract anything that we don't think is good and then put the top back on the box and send it back through and repalletize it. So what we're trying to do is make sure that the product that we pack is product packed for a particular customer. So I, I see the challenge in our industry as one being customer driven. When we pack an order for a retailer, it's going to be different than necessarily from an order for a wholesaler. So keeping the customer happy and making sure our product delivers is what London Fruit was all about. It has been for 40 years and it continues to add space so that we're in a position to repack our product 
so that our customers are satisfied with what we're doing. That's why the Hazel technology works because we are opening up the package here anyway. Love it. Celebrating over 40 years of success. I would say challenging and triumphing through all the obstacles that the produce industry has. Um, I love speaking to companies that are leaving a legacy within the industry. This looks like and is a family-owned business. It's operated by friends and family members. And I just want to say thank you for, one, coming on the show today. And Amanda, um, if anybody wants to reach out, get a hold of London Fruit and uh, really discuss with you about what, what you guys are doing, how can they do that? Yeah, so they can reach us uh, through our LinkedIn page, uh, London Fruit Inc., um, we're available on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, or you can reach us at sales at londonfruit.com. Awesome. Thank you, Amanda, Barry, and Jerry for coming on the show today. I look forward to speaking with all of you again. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.